Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy, and I'm Andrew Shepard. I want to thank you guys for listening in to another episode. And like always, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, whether it's questions, comments, concerns, you just want an opinion on something, or even if you just want to tell me it sounds like shit, feel free to reach out to me. On all social media platforms, I am AJ Vandertunt. It's A-J-A-Y-V-A-N-D-E-R-T-U-N-T. Except for Vero. If you are on Vero, I am just Andrew Shepard. Um, also, you can email me directly at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. Again, that's lifestyle. G is in George, B is in boy, B is in boy at gmail.com. Um, so today's episode is being gay, black, and financial. Finances, money, ducats, doubloons, coins, your bag, drachmas, um, yen, all kinds of names for the same thing money, 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 money. It makes the world go around that and science. And you know what? Gay pride also makes the world go around. It actually funds and powers the supply for the northern United States. So, you know, just remember that the Gay Pride Festival literally powers the East Coast. It literally does. Because when gay people jump in shit, power gets created. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if it's real. But I'm saying it is, and I'm claiming it right now. So today's episode is about being financial, financial responsibilities, financial mistakes, financial woes, and being irresponsibly financial. And I thought this would be a great topic for this week because not only are a lot of people getting back their tax refunds or If you're filing your taxes right now, you didn't get an extension, you may be in a little bit of trouble. Um, But also, it's because it is getting close to payday if you get paid on Fridays or, you know, whenever you get paid. So why not talk about a little things that concern your finances and money? So to start us off, our quote of the day is going to be from Norman Vincent Peale. And he said, empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty heads and empty hearts can do that. That one stuck out to me. I'll read it again. Empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty heads and empty hearts can do that. And I believe that wholeheartedly, 100%. So when it comes to being financial, I did not have, I would say, Guidance when I first started off younger and being a kid growing into adulthood. You know, my parents, they were very responsible with their money. Um, but even them, you know, both of my parents were in the military. So their finances and monetary things really came from the military. Um, and it wasn't until they both ended up getting out of the military that they learned more about finances. And finances, it's a map. I mean, it's a huge map of just shit. (laughs) That's all I can say it. One thing that I'll tell you, I hate money. 
but we have to learn how to work around the world we're in and the bag is very important these days. So the first part of being financial is what is finance? What's finance? Now, I'm not going to give you a definition from Webster's or Encyclopedia or anything like that. I'm going to tell you what finance is and being financial is to me. And that's when you're conscious about your income, what living within your means is and what's living above your means. It also has to do with credit. Credit is a slippery slope. I am still learning about credit. And friends and family members of mine have started to help me learn what credit is because at this age, I need to be aware. Um, Balancing and budgeting, those have to do with financing. It's very important. And you know, it's what you're doing in your life to make sure that you have the means to stabilize yourself and live a comfortable life. That's what being financial is to me. So the first part of it being income, what is the money that you bring in for yourself? That could be through work, that could be through selling organs, that could be through writing stuff, maybe you're a creative, or you know, maybe you just happen to be a person who picks up pennies off the ground and puts them in your mouth. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're saving that money. Save it and get on some antibiotics tomorrow. It's important. But your income, that's what I focus on as the initial starting point. This is the money that I am bringing in for myself. And being financially responsible with that money is huge. I mean, you're working every day to bring in the money. No matter what your job is, you are putting forth a physical and mental effort to make that money. So don't, I wouldn't say squander, but maybe take a moment to value that money for what it's doing to help you out. Not valuing it as if it's a God or your only reason to live, but at least value the fact that you have contributed for these funds to end up in your bag. Now, another part of it is credit. And credit, I am still learning about, but I am very thankful to every single person who has helped me learn about it because credit... It's, it is, it is money's way of judging you. That's what I'm going to say. It's money's way of judging you. Because first you have to understand there are credit scores and every American is going to have a credit score. Now, 700 is great. Fantastic. 600, still pretty good. 500, you're meh. You're not doing bad, but you're not doing terrible. 400, you might want to talk to somebody. 300, talk to somebody. 200, stop listening to this podcast and go get a financial advisor or go to a consumer credit agency immediately. 100, it's time to get serious. Go talk to somebody now. You can listen to this later. It is available all the time and new episodes every Friday. Anything less than 100? Oh, man. Anything less than 100? I'm going to get you some holy water. All you got to do is literally just message me. I'll send you a vial of holy water. Because I hear that that's bad. It's like you're on an island by yourself. 
But what credit has to do, and those are scores, but credit scores can range in numbers. Credit is your ability to pay back things that maybe you didn't pay for initially. So let's say a loan, um, something like that, that is money that you have now borrowed from a banking institution or something, and you have to be able to pay that back. If you have a higher credit score, you will most likely get approved for more money and probably lower interest, which is money tacked on to what you borrowed. If you have a lower credit score, you may have to pay a deposit for your loan or you're going to have very high interest rates, which that I don't understand. Because interest, and now that I've mentioned the term twice, well, three times, interest is, let's say, I go to a bank and I take out a loan for $100 and they say their interest is 10%. That means when I pay back that loan, instead of paying just $100, I'm paying $110. That $10 is the interest. Now, when you have a higher credit score, you will be offered lower interest because the companies and the banks and stuff that see it, they say, oh, he can definitely pay back this money, so we'll make sure we get it from him. Boop, boop, boop. We're all good. If you have a lower credit score, you can still go get a loan, but you may have a higher interest rate. So while that person who had the really good 700 score got 10% on that $100, maybe you or anybody or me, because I know I'm in that group right now, when I take out a $100 loan, my interest may be 40%. So instead of $110 going back to them, I have to pay $140. Now, the reason why I say that that does not make sense to me at all. I mean, I think the whole credit system is bullshit, to be quite honest with you. If my credit score is low and I'm borrowing money, what makes you think I can pay back more than what I'm borrowing? If my credit score is high and I'm able to be financially responsible and pay back these things. It's seen as a reward to get a lower interest rate, but it doesn't make sense to me because that person, they may be able to afford that higher interest rate. And from what I know right now, and please correct me if I'm wrong, higher interest rates do not improve your credit score. It's just another way for an institution to get more money from you. Now, balancing and budgeting. These are very important things. It has to do with making sure you can live your life. So balancing and budgeting is very important because when you have balance, and I'm saying this as a Libra, life is so much smoother. If you balance things, there's not much you have to worry about. So when I say balance, and that comes to being financially responsible, that's okay, I know that every other week I am going to get paid. With that paycheck, I'm going to make sure that I pay off the important and immediate bills. So my electricity, my gas, my water, my trash, my rent, my cell phone bill, the things that I know that I'm going to need to survive in my daily life, I'm going to make sure that I balance my paycheck to pay all of those things. Now, it's important, at least for me, that when I balance things, the immediate bills are taken care of first. So there's some people that I know, 
and you know people that I don't know they probably do it as well where they get paid and with that paycheck they have the money right then and there to take care of all the immediate important bills to survive but instead of using that money to pay it right away they decide okay well my electricity isn't due for another three weeks. So I'll just wait for another paycheck to pay that one because the money that I could use to pay that now, I'm going to go ahead and use that to go buy some weed or something. Or they'll say, oh, I know that my rent is going to be due at the end of the month, even though it's only the middle of the month and I have the money now. How about I only pay $50 of it and then I worry about the rest later to make sure I can still spend my money to go out to a bar and drink or to go buy a car or to go get some Pokemon cards or if you're me part of my budget is going to go get Mortal Kombat 11 tomorrow so but that's one thing that, that sticks out in my head now the people that I know that do it I am not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying that that is not the way that I would do it and I don't support it because when I balance and budget, if I have the money to pay off the immediate bills that are essential to my comfort and livelihood, I pay those off first before anything else. I don't care how much money I've gotten paid. If I have enough to cover gas, electric, my cell phone, which I do have to use for work, my rent, and my internet, which again, I have to use for work. Those are essentials. I'm going to pay those off right away. I don't care what else is going on. I don't give a damn if you tell me, oh, there's a comic book convention and we can go to it today. No, I am not going to use that money for that. I'm going to pay off the essentials first. And I do that because it allows me to have balance in my life. I don't have to worry about, okay, when this next check comes in, hopefully it's enough. Or when this next check comes in, I have to use that entire check for those purposes and then just kind of be SOL. You know, it just helps me prepare everything. So I paid my bills that way. Now, the reason why I don't think it's a good idea to do it the opposite way of a little money goes here or that's not due for three weeks, so I'll worry about that later, is you don't know what's going to happen in that time period. Like, I'll use, again, myself, for example, I always use myself. There was a job I was working and I knew that my bills were paid. And then I ended up getting strep throat and it was really bad. I was out of work for almost a full week. It was bad. Had I not paid those bills when I had the money and then this happened, me getting strep throat and death in the middle of my gullet, I would not have been able to pay my rent. I wouldn't have been able to pay my rent because at that same time when I got that check after being sick and my rent was due, I would have had my electricity to pay, my cell phone to pay, my internet, my gas, all that shit. I would have had to pay that all at once. And there's no way I could have afforded that. No way at all. And I don't like late fees. I can't stand it. Don't like late fees. But that's why I pay it when I have it. When I have it, get rid of the essentials. And then with budgeting, it kind of falls along those same lines of 
knowing how to manage your money so that all the essentials are paid, and then you can budget your fun at that point. You know, once all the essentials are out of the way, and this is another part of balance and budget for me, I can go out and have fun and not have to worry about a damn thing. When I know that my utilities are paid, my essentials are paid, my rent is paid, if I go out to a bar and happen to get blackout drunk and spend $75 on drinks, yeah, it's going to suck when I wake up in the morning because I'm going to be like, damn it, Andrew, you said you're only going to spend $10 and somehow you spent 70 But I know I don't have to worry about, hey, can I keep my roof over my head? I don't have to worry about, do I have groceries in my fridge? Those are things that I don't have to think about. It sucks not to have the fun money, but I don't have to worry about, can I still sustain the life that I want to live? And then when you bring in lots of money, that's another thing. So I have an acquaintance of mine. She's a sweetheart, love her to death. She ended up getting a new job from the job that she had and her pay went up exponentially exponentially. I hope I'm saying that right. And she decided to move into a bigger place, which cost her more rent. She decided to switch from a prepaid phone to AT&T. Her bill went up from $50 to almost $120. And, you know, there was more things that were coming in more and more. Now, it's not a bad thing if you can sustain that lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with that. But because she was excited that she was making so much more money, she decided to get more expensive things. And then it started to catch up with her. She found herself being worn out more. She didn't have that disposable income to deal with because now all these things that she initially had cost more. And it's important to live and budget in a way that even if you're making more money than you started off making, you still make sure that you can sustain your life whether you add a little improvement or keep it the way it is. And you have a way to support yourself if for some reason that income changes again. So one way that I exercise that for myself, when I got my apartment and when I was apartment hunting, even though I knew I could afford more than my current rent, I went with what I have now. So... My rent is $680. Now I'm gonna get real personal here. And at the time when I first got my apartment, I was bringing home about 2,000 a week. Um, well, no, I'm gonna say 1,500 a week after you know taxes and stuff. And I knew I could pay my rent, pay all my utilities and everything with one check. I didn't have to worry about anything. And it was good. Now, I had this job before I got my apartment. And my parents and a couple of people, they were like, oh, okay, it's a really nice place. And then a couple of people asked me, why did I go for such a lower amount of rent when in my same building I'm in now, there's apartments that are bigger and they cost more. And when I was searching for an apartment and when I was responding to the questions, my thought process was... I'm going to get an apartment that is no more than $800 because I knew with the job I had currently at that time, $800 was the top of my budget, but I knew I could still afford it even if something went wrong. 
And then when I started apartment hunting, 800 was my max, but I didn't look at apartments that were at 800. I started in the 600 range. And I started in the 600 range because I didn't know if I was going to keep that job at that time. Who knows what could have happened? So I went for an apartment that I knew that I could afford if my pay went down by $10. Even if my pay went down by $10, I knew I could still afford to live here. Because at the time that I was working, I was making $21.75 an hour at that job. So I knew, okay, if I go down to $11 an hour, which is close to minimum wage for most places, I knew, okay, it'll be a struggle as far as wanting to do more fun things, but the essentials, I can keep them paid, keep a roof over my head, and I don't have to ask anybody for help or depend on anybody in those circumstances. So that was one way that I budgeted for myself and I prepared for the future. And it's a good thing I did because that job was fantastic, but I ended up deciding to leave. And I took another position, which caused me to take a bit of a pay cut. I went down to $17 an hour. And at that point, I was like, okay, I can still afford this apartment. I still have the ability to have fun money. I think I did something good. So balance and those kinds of things. I hope it helps explaining it that way. Now, with finances and money, your ducats, all that stuff. It's fun when you start off in this world. It is very fun. Then after a while, adulting and paying for crap gets boring. But when you're starting to get out on your own, and when I say get out on your own, you're moving out of your parents' house, maybe going to college or just moving into an apartment by yourself. There's some things that I can say I've experienced that can be roadblocks, hazards, and also fun things at the same time. So first, let's talk about moving out. Now, I don't know how other people's experiences were moving out, but when I decided to move out of my parents' house, I was 18 years old, thought I was the shit, thought I knew everything about the world, and you couldn't tell me a damn thing. I had a cute little job at Payless Shoes, and it was great. And then a friend of mine approached me, and we're still friends to this day, and proposed to me us moving in together as roommates. So I was like, okay, this could be kind of fun. So I moved out of my parents' house, not really with a plan, hadn't really saved up money. I think I maybe had about $300 to $400 in my bank account at the time that I moved out. But I didn't really care because I'm like, oh, I get paid coming up. So that means I'll make sure that I have my portion of the rent and everything else that's needed. I did not have a plan. And because I didn't have a plan and I didn't think it through fully, the experience actually turned out to be fucking terrible. Like throw up in my mouth, terrible, horrible. Because at that point that I moved out, had $300 to my name. And the day I move into the apartment, I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is different because I can't just go to the refrigerator and have the comforts of food already in there. I have to buy my own food. I'm living with two other people when I only expected to live with one. And I can't force them to go buy food. They don't know what I like. I don't know what they like. There was all these expenses that I didn't take into account. When I moved out, all I saw was, oh, my portion of the rent is $300. 
My Porsche and the electric may be about $50 and we're good. I can afford that. I didn't take into account my cell phone at the time, groceries, internet, fun money. I didn't take into account any of that shit. And it just turned into a terrible experience for me. I didn't like it. And then on top of that, I was not completely in control of what happened. So the rent for the apartment was astronomical. It was something that I could not afford on my own. To me at the time, it was like, I think 1500 a month or something like that. It was very high. Um, and it was a shitty apartment too. It was terrible. And because I was in a roommate situation, I had to count on two other people to bring in their portions of the rent to make sure that we didn't fall behind. That was never a fun thing for me because I would be sitting there worrying, is everybody going to have their rent? Not that my roommates weren't doing their part and I don't want it to sound that way. It's just that when I completely depend on myself, I know I got it. I know it's good. Nothing to worry about. When I'm depending on other people, anything could come up because I don't know how they spend. I don't know how they think. And I just didn't like that feeling. It was kind of feeling like I was in a prison where I had to depend on other people and I couldn't just get it done myself. So if you are listening and you are thinking about moving out of your parents' house or moving out of your current place to have roommates, I do suggest that you think it over very, 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 very carefully. Because thank goodness I was able to remain friends with the people I was roommates with. I don't know if it would have worked out as well had the situation gone longer or if I wasn't as close to them as I am. I don't think the friendship would have survived. So it's just something to be careful about. Um, Another part of it, when you are starting off your own, is one thing to remember is your wealth. Your wealth and how you use it. So that money that you've amassed, if you moved out and you planned it and you have money saved up and stuff, don't start using that money as your go-to. Unless that was truly your plan and the money that you're earning, you're just going to keep saving or have a backup. Save that money. Keep that money saved. So in an emergency situation, if you need to tap into it, you can, but you keep using your readily incoming income, sounds weird, to pay what needs to be paid. Now, when it does come to it, a part of me moving out and getting on my own, I got my first credit card and got some contracted cell phone plans and things. And you need to know that these things are very important for you. So we'll talk about the cell phone plans later. But one thing I do want to talk about is credit cards. Now, credit cards, my parents didn't know much about credit cards. Not many people in my family had credit cards. So when I first learned about a credit card and it was through Amazon, I applied for the credit card and it's like, oh, you get 400 bucks to spend and for your current order, we'll take off shipping and give you this discount and da, 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 da. It all sounded great. So I ordered the credit card, get my credit card, comes in the mail and I'm like, oh, okay, this is fine. Let me just start spending money. So I just spent irresponsibly with that credit card, just terribly. And then the bill came and now my limit on that credit card was $400. But when the bill came, it was $695. I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, how is this possible? I only spent $400. Why do I owe them almost 
one and a half times, well, it's more than one and a half times, of what I spent. That makes no sense. I was pissed, didn't get it, and it's because I didn't read the fine print, and I also didn't understand how a credit card works. And then, later on in my life, a friend of mine, his name is Cody, he actually gave me a great tip when it comes to a credit card. And also my friend Danny has done the same thing. When you get a credit card, to build your credit, you want to use that credit card to pay for things that you know you can already afford. And one of the great tips that Danny and Cody both gave me was with the credit card, use it to pay your electric bill, your utilities, your rent, or something that you already pay. And then just pay that money back. So when you get your credit card, the credit card company, they're going to give you a statement once you start spending saying that this is what you have to pay us back. If you're already paying $100 a month for your electric, you know that money's already coming in. Use the credit card to pay it and then just take that money that you earned to pay that bill and pay off the charge on your credit card. That will help build your credit, which is very important. And that will also give you the experience of having a credit card and paying it back. Now, when... Now, when you do pay your credit card, this helps you establish credit. Now, you can establish credit multiple ways. A credit card is not the only way. But I'll tell you from my situation, I do not have established credit. The only things that I've had was one credit card and cell phone contracts. I really didn't have anything else to help build my credit. And when you build your credit, that's when you are making a history of making sure payments are made on time. And when you borrow money, let's say it's a loan or with a credit card, you're making sure that those bills get paid. This will help take your credit score, let's say, from a 500 to a 700. So you're going from mediocre to outstanding. It could help a lot. Now, getting established credit is important because once your credit is established, which means there's a history of you paying for things, you get better interest rates, which means you pay back less money. You get more money if you get a bigger loan, and your credit card can even become more money. But balance, how you feel about that, Because, like me, if I see, oh shit, my credit uh, card limit went up from $400 to $1,000 at that moment in my life, I would have tried to spend that whole $1,000 and been right back in the same bind that I was in before. So you want to be careful and balance those things out. Now, also when you're starting out on your own, I know for myself, I had to understand what it was to be broke. To be broke is different. Now, broke and poor, let's talk about those. They are two different things to me. So broke is a mindset. Broke is temporary. When you're broke, maybe you just don't have any money in your bank account right now. Or maybe you've got a little bit of money Not enough to go have fun, but you have enough to support what you need to support for yourself. Some people will call that being broke. It is a temporary moment, but it is a moment that you are currently in. Poor, poor to me is 
you have no money, no money is coming in, and no money is in the foreseeable future. That's a state of life when you're poor. You can get out of it, keep the hope alive, and there are tons of resources in the community, and I love finding community resources, so if you need anything, reach out to me. I will keep you anonymous, like always. But when you're broke and you're on your own, and you're getting things together, there's different levels to broke. So I have two breakdowns of it. I like to call one good broke and the other bad broke. Good broke is I paid my utilities, I paid my rent, I paid all my bills, and I have 50 cents left in my bank account. That's good broke because even though I'm broke, I still got everything I need to support myself. I got a fridge full of food, we're all good. And then there's bad broke. Bad broke is when you're spending irresponsibly. Where let's say you got a $500 paycheck. It's Friday. You just got paid and you decide, okay, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to spend $482.94 on liquor. Okay, that is your choice. But now you're broke. You can't afford anything else. You also don't have food. You didn't pay off your essentials. Now you're just bad broke. And now you're going to have worry. And now you're just going to be stressing out because you're like, oh, shit, these bills are coming up. So my next paycheck is going to go all to these bills if it's going to cover all of them. That's bad broke to me. Now, when you're in this state of brokenness, it can be beneficial and detrimental all at the same time. Beneficial broke is when, yes, you may say you're broke or maybe you've got a couple dollars in your bank account, but you're holding on to that money because you know the next time you get paid, that just adds to what you're getting. Beneficial broke is also, even if you have money, and I am notorious for this, if I have money in my bank account and let's say I know there's something I want to spend that money on, but, you know, friends call and they say, hey, let's go out or, you know, a new game like Mortal Kombat 11 comes out and I want it, but I know I shouldn't get it. I will say I'm broke and I will literally tell myself I'm broke because if I spend the money on that, I'm not going to have the money to spend on what I need to spend the money on. That's beneficial broke to me. Beneficial broke is also you spent your money, but it was a learning experience. You know, now if you go to this place, oh no, I can't go there. Fuck that noise. If I go spend that money, I'm going to be eating ramen noodle for six months again. Uh Uh-uh. No fun. And I'm telling you guys, I have been broke to the point in my life. I have sat and ate ramen noodles for four months straight. And I still love ramen. Delicious. Now... Also, when you are broke, and this is something that is near to me, I hope it doesn't offend you guys. When you're broke, you should not be dating. When you are broke and jobless, you definitely shouldn't be dating. I don't think dating is a good thing when you are truly broke, like no money whatsoever, and you have to still pay for things. So technically, you're in debt right now. If you are that kind of broke, I don't think you should be dating. Dating is expensive. Dating is 
expensive. Dating is time-consuming. It's taking away from the hours you could be making coins. Dating is expensive. I don't think that you can successfully date and be broke at the same time. Now, feel free to prove me wrong, but I do not think you should be dating if you're broke. And then also another thing, if you are broke, the recreational things can wait. I know someone who has either been jobless, broke, or just no money at all um, for a majority of the time. And they would always ask for money. And I didn't understand why this individual was always asking for money. But whenever I talk to them, they have a shitload of fucking weed or they're on dates and shit. And it's like, wait, how how is this possible? Smoking is fucking expensive. Oh, my God. On weed alone, I spend about $140 a month. It is expensive. It is not cheap. And I never understood, and a lot of people didn't understand why this person would be asking for money a lot of the time, but would always have some weed. Always. I never understood it. And I don't think that that's a good thing. I think that is something that is speaking to the bad side of being broke. You know, when you're asking somebody for money to pay for something essential, as you're twisting up a blunt, it's like, this doesn't make sense to me because that same money that you spent to get that weed could have gone towards paying at least a portion of what you owe. You know, I, I just think that's one thing that I don't understand. I've seen, and one of my friends, she has done this ever since we've been friends. Love you to death, girl. But we'll go out and... She won't say that she doesn't have money. Like, she literally won't say anything. So then once we get there, it's like, oh, do you mind spotting me? I don't have any money. And as a friend, that does not bother me at all. It doesn't. But say something ahead of time, you know? It just feels weird to get blindsided with that. Now, Danny has said this to me, and I've said it to him. We have had our times where maybe both of us are just low on funds or some shit. But we want to go out or we at least want to drink and smoke and have a good little time. And Danny said one of the best things ever one night. He said, bitch, if you're broke, I'm broke. If I'm drinking, you're drinking. If I'm smoking, you're smoking. And I still live by that because I agree with it 100%. I don't care if both of us are broke. If I got liquor, okay, come over. We'd be out to drink. If I got weed, come over. We about to split a blunt or split however much weed I have. Because it it's just something that's mutual and it's great. And having that kind of person in my life has been amazing. It really has been. Um, I love it. And having somebody like that who is like-minded and just a great friend, you know, it just, it makes those moments in life easier because we're all going to be at that point where we're either broke, have no money or something happens or you're going to take a serious financial hit and just having somebody around who's supportive and a great friend is always a good thing. 
Now, when it does come to finances, I had some great people reach out on the social medias and they shared some great things. Now, not all of them are questions. Um, Some of them are just informational and it's great to know. So one person who reached out to me, his name is Angelo. And he gave some do's and don'ts when it comes to being financially responsible. The first thing he said was don't loan or borrow what you need or can't give back. I love that. That is perfect. And it's one of those big things. If you're going to borrow something from somebody alone or whatever it is, and you know that you can't pay it back, you are setting yourself up for failure. You really are. So it is important to know what your limit is. Also, if you are making money and things are coming into you, be careful when you start readily loaning it out or giving it to other people. Being helpful is great, but don't be irresponsible for yourself. Know what your limit is. If you're going to give somebody something, still make sure that you've got yourself covered. You know, one of the lines that I heard, and this was a long, long time ago, it was on a TV show, and I don't actually remember what it was. But one of the people on the show said, I'm helpful, not stupid, because they were loaning money to somebody. And the person said, are you sure you can afford this? And that was the response. They said, I'm helpful, not stupid, which meant they knew they were still covered themselves and they were willing to help. Another thing that Angelo said was don't co-sign. And do not co-sign. Co-signing is when somebody can't afford something themselves, so somebody else with better credit comes in and is a signer on whatever the contract is. A good example is a car. You go, you go to get a car yourself, they say your credit's not good enough, so they say, oh, do you know somebody else with good credit? They can be a co-signer in the lease, so if you can't foot the bill, it'll be their financial responsibility. Don't do it. Co-signing is a trap. I will just tell you that now. No matter how well you are with somebody, just don't do it. You're signing a legally binding contract for money, and it's typically a lot of money. It can get a very slippery slope, and that can destroy whatever relationship you have. I don't think it's a good thing to do. Now, we're going to get back to the cell phone thing, because Angelo said, don't add anyone to existing bills. For example, your fucking cell phone bill. When I first got my first cell phone, I was 16 and it was prepaid phone. When I moved out of my parents' house and I was like, oh yeah, I'm about my shit, I went to AT&T and I got a contracted cell phone. If anybody remembers the phone, it's the LG Shine. Great phone. I freaking love that phone. I had my cell phone in the contracted plan for about four months and then I ended up adding a friend to the plan. I didn't really understand how it all worked. I was just like, oh, okay. They said it's only $9.99 for me to add you into the plan. So, okay, I'll add you on. Let's split the bill. This should be good. I should have said no. Because I didn't understand the full details. And I think the first two months of bills got paid. And then after that, because the first month went well, and the second month went well, then I added another person to the cell phone plan, and then another person, and then had all these phones and was exchanging phones and upgrading and all this shit. And then, by the time I turned around at the end of the third month, there was no way possible any of us could have afforded the cell phone bill. 
cell phone bill came and it was almost $1,000. I wasn't prepared. I should have said no. And I will tell you all the same thing if you're listening, unless it is like marriage or love or something, I do not advise you to add anybody to your cell phone plan, especially if it's contracted. Makes no sense. Another thing that Angela sent over, and this was a do, was open a savings account for emergencies. So a savings account is great. I have a savings account. And my savings account, it does get interest. So the money that I deposit on a yearly basis, they will give me some kind of interest for having the money in their bank. It works really well. In my savings account, I have $100 out of my paycheck. Every single paycheck goes into that savings account and I can't touch it. They gave me an ATM card that would allow me to draw from that account, but I actually destroyed the card because I do not want to be able to touch that money unless it's an emergency. So in order for me to get that money, I have to physically go to the bank and do a withdrawal. No fun. It's not fun at all, especially now in the world we are where I do most of my banking through my cell phone. You don't get that ability. Um, Well, I don't have that ability because I don't have the card. And now that money is just away. And if an emergency comes up, I can't touch it. Um, You know, another thing that he did mention, and I do apologize, Angela, because of time, I can't read every single bullet point, but I will post them because I think they're amazing. Um, One that I just loved was do not mix your bills with pleasure. Pleasure is not a bill. Pleasure is not a bill. It is fun. It is disposable. Pleasure can wait. People demanding that you pay them, they won't, especially when they can kick you out of where you live. And another one, you know, I'll read one more of yours, Angela, because I did love it, was find banks that offer incentives and but pay attention to their details. Um, For all my listeners out there, I think it's First United Bank. It's a great bank. Um, I've seen them online. I actually bank with them. They give great incentives for starting plans, uh, like a checking account or something. I mean, when I started my first checking account, I had to deposit $200, but then I got $500 in return in my account. It's freaking amazing. I loved it. That was an incentive that I loved. So, Angelo, thank you for that. I'm going to go on to our next submission that I had, and this was from Amy. Amy decided to share a story. It was great. That she, and she said, I just finished paying off $110,000 in credit card debt. I used Credit Counseling of Rochester. It took three years, but I was drowning in, in debt and couldn't get out. Now, this is amazing because there are programs that are out there in your community. And I guarantee you, if you go on Google and just type in something like credit counseling, debt counseling, consumer credit counseling, and then put the name of your city and state after it, there will be multitudes of services that you can go to and talk to these people about consolidating bills, paying off your debt, and even just getting financial advice. If you happen to be in the upstate New York area, consumer credit counseling is amazing. I went to them because I had serious debt. They helped me get out of the debt. And then on top of that, I still go to them for financial advisement. 
to help budget and plan out things and knowing how to invest. It's great stuff. And most of these services, they're either a really low fee or free to you. So make sure you use that resource and just simply going to Google, you'll find multitudes of them. Now, there are some that I will tell you to be aware of. If they strictly operate online, I'm not going to say they're bad, but you may want to research to make sure that they are a secure service. Personally, I like to meet with the people in person. And if you're in upstate New York, consumer credit counseling, they have multiple offices and you can meet with them in person. That way I know I'm dealing with something legit. So thank you for that, Amy. And congratulations getting that $110,000 paid off. Damn, girl. You better go. So another uh, submission that was sent to me, it was from Lana. And Lana decided to share some great things that were, you know, just helpful for her in her life. So she said, don't be afraid to use a food bank. They are there for a reason. People need to know that they are a real option when times are especially hard. They were a lifesaver for me a few times back in the day and meant I could still scrape by even though it was barely. And I always had enough money to pay my immediate bills, i.e. rent, utilities, you know, what we've talked about so far. It doesn't matter that there are people out there worse off than you. You still need to survive. Saying that you shouldn't be stressed or depressed about your finances because someone out there has it worse than you is like saying you shouldn't be happy because someone else out there has it better than you. Do what you need to do. Lana, thank you for sharing that because it's important and I think it's important people hear it. Don't compare your finances to other people. There are tips and there's things that you can take away from it. But just because there are people who may be worse off than you, just like Lana said, that does not mean that you have to sit there and be depressed and not find your way out. And places like food pantries, food banks, they are lifesavers. When I was down in Texas and my relationship ended, I was on my own. I pretty much ended up homeless, didn't really have bills. Um, I'm sorry, really didn't have income to pay the bills that I had. And I didn't know how to survive. I pretty much had to start from scratch. This is the situation where I was eating ramen noodles for almost four months straight until I learned about food banks. And then I went down to the food bank and got a plethora of food. And still with the money I had coming in, because it was very little, I was still able to afford my apartment and the essentials. I was able to do that. It was a struggle for a while, and I lost almost 30 pounds because all I was eating was one pack of ramen noodles in a day. That was it. I had to stretch it out. I knew that I was only going to eat once because that was all I could afford at the time. And it wasn't until I went to this food bank for the first time and then came home with a box full of just food and stuff. I was like, oh, this resource is out there and everybody can go to it. Doesn't matter your situation you're in. If you really need it, go to it. I mean, it can help and be a lifesaver for you. And then I had one question. This question came from Rod. And Rod, I like your question because I feel like it's very important and it's something to address that maybe not everybody talks about. So he asked me, do you become instantly turned off when a guy asks you for money? And y'all have been talking, chatting, dating for days or weeks. 
I'm going to tell you right now, yes, that is a huge turnoff to me. Instantly. Especially if we've only known each other for a couple of months, a couple of weeks, or days. I've got an issue with it. And my reason that I have an issue with it, it makes me wonder, are you financially responsible? Or is this whole dateship relationship thing going to turn into me footing the bill a lot of the time when I don't want to? It's concerning to me. And also just being asked for money in general by somebody that new that I met, it just seems weird to me because it makes me think if you're this comfortable to ask me for money now, even if it's a small amount, what's going to happen if we get serious and then you expect me to start just giving you money all the time or that I'm supposed to be in charge of footing the bill and we haven't even had the conversation about finances yet. So for me, it is instantly a turnoff. And another part of it, it's a huge red flag for me, especially when you're early in the dating process that somebody's asking you for money, because I just don't see it as a pure intention. And I could be wrong, but I don't see it that way. I feel like as soon as you ask me for money, and we've only been talking dating or whatever, and it hasn't even gotten to the month mark. That lets me know that you are a fuckboy. You are here for money and sex and that's it. You're looking for ways to get your come up or succeed in whatever facet you want to succeed in. And I'm just not here for that. I just don't have the time for it. And it's kind of that concept of what I was talking about of dating when you're broke. Don't date when you're broke. If you have to ask me for money that fast, I am very concerned. Very. Now, I'm pretty sure that there are success stories out there. You know, you met a guy the first day and he's like, can I borrow $300? And it's like, oh yeah, here you go. And then the next thing you know, you guys are walking down the aisle. If that works for you, it works. But in my experience and hearing from friends and family members who have gone through those situations, those dateship relationships typically last until your pay drops, you lose your job, or you start saying no to when they ask you for money. So long story short, Rod, instant turn off if you're dealing with somebody who is doing that i would advise that you have a serious conversation with them immediately about finances if they're asking you for money ask them for a kidney i mean you could sell that easily get a good five ten thousand for it so you know do that if they need the money they could be willing to give up a kidney you got two of them they'll be fine (laughs) well Guys, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Lifestyle of Gay Black Boy. Again, I'm Andrew Shepard, and I will hopefully be talking with you guys next week. You know, as long as I make it to it. And I don't know what the topic's going to be of next week's episode. I will be brainstorming and probably reaching out to people on social media or, you know, if I get some questions, responses or anything in, maybe the episode will be geared around what you guys ask. Um, I truly appreciate you guys listening. It's always been a great thing. And you guys, again, are the ones who make this possible for me. If you would like to contribute to the podcast please reach out to me on social media and all social media platforms, except for Vero. I am AJ Vandertunt. My first name is A-J-A-Y. Vandertunt is V-A-N-D-E-R-T-U-N-T. If you are on Vero, I'm just Andrew Shepard, spelled just like my name, A-N-D-R-E-W, 
S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Now, if you would like to reach out to me directly, you can email me at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G as in George, B as in boy, B as in boy at gmail.com. And as always, I will keep you anonymous if you'd like to be anonymous. I'll make up a name for you and maybe just call you anonymous. Um, Or if you have a name that you want to use, go ahead and let me know what you want me to call you. Either way, if you don't want to be identified, I will not use your name at all. Um, But that's it for today. And you know what? I want to end this episode with one more quote, and I think it's very important. So the quote, it comes from, there was a show and I forgot the name of the show, but the quote itself, it's simply this. Some people are so poor, all they have left is money. Just let that sink in. Some people are so poor, all they have left is money. All right, y'all. I'm out. Talk to you on Friday.